0: to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today our guest is Lorene Gustafson. Lorene is in her transition year moving from middle school English language arts teacher of over 15 years to her first year as a middle school information specialist. She establishes herself in the library at Patch Middle School, a Department of Defense school in Stuttgart, Germany, supporting the U.S. military families stationed overseas. Her goal is to create the library as the heart of the school for all students, no matter what grade level, academic performance, or ability level, where they can feel comfortable to try new books, share ideas, and be introduced to new technology. She sets the stage for the library to become the school's foundation to access meaningful resources and availability, tying together 21st century learning with the good old-fashioned books for teachers to champion their own curricular needs. Hi, Laurian. Thanks so much for being here. So you currently t- teach for the Dodea schools, and we were just wondering what that's like, and if you have any other teaching experience outside of teaching for Dodea, if you could give us a comparison of what that's like.
1: Sure, that'd be great. Um, I work in a Dodea school, and I'm over—I'm stationed over here in Germany, and it's—it's it's great. I mean, I'm in living in Germany. Uh, there's DoDEA schools in the Pacific, DoDEA schools in the States, and then DoDEA schools in Europe. And what we do is we support the military families that are stationed overseas worldwide and we're teaching their children. So we have a lot of families who may have single parents at home because their parent, their other parent is deployed and stuff like that. So our, our student clientele is a little bit different. I've taught in inner city schools and suburban schools, so... I kind of followed my husband all over the place with his Marine Corps career started in, you know, Massachusetts, met him, did South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, tried Hawaii for a stint and things like that. And so um, that's how I got involved with the DoDEA schools is just kind of following him around and he has since retired. And so I've landed over here in Germany and I love working for the DoDIA schools. We, we, the teaching community is just so different because it's specifically here because we're all not living in the state. So we all have kind of like a Dode kind of teacher family. The school system itself has done some changes since I've um, arrived in the system. We've kind of transferred from a system of schools to a school system. So we're not just a Europe district or a Pacific district and so on. And there's been some changes. We've gone towards more standardized learning and it's not like a free for all kind of thing. Um, If uh, we get a student who was stationed in Okinawa and they get transferred over here to Germany and they're in seventh grade language arts, they should be using like the same unit and then come over here to this school and they haven't skipped a beat So Ah. they should be doing the same materials and things like that.
0: So kind of like the way Common Core was intended to be implemented. Yeah. Are you using Common Core?
1: We don't use Common Core. We use um, our version of it. It's called College and Career Readiness. Okay. And that's kind of our take on it.
0: So since you're teaching military members kids all over the world, do you notice anything regionally? differences from like teaching in the Pacific versus, you know, on the East coast of the States versus out in Europe or because they're all military members, they tend to be pretty similar.
1: Yeah. um, I think with the different branches, Mm. I can honestly say I've worked on with one particular branch, and I've worked in a system on a different branch, and I'm not going to name the branches <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But I, I would say with with certain um, branches uh, supporting that particular branch, uh, the students are somewhat different than other branches of the military. And not to knock there, all the kids are great. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking any family, any any military service, but there, there are there's some slight differences in the way the students are um, I guess the way they kind of uh, I don't know how to say it.
0: Disciplined, to like managed, like fun. yeah.
1: I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs>
2: This is awesome.
0: I don't know. I don't think you'll offend anyone. I would imagine we we kind of know, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Military people will know. Yeah. you know. I don't want to be like, you know. But it, um, it is true. There's some students that have more of a drive than other students, mm-hmm. depending on the service
0: that we are supporting.
2: Yeah. Well, I think we just found our new research study.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm in. That sounds interesting. Yeah.
2: Um, um, Lorian, w- one of the things in which we, as we as educators, are always interested in is um, is how people became teachers. Be- because it's not what it's not one of those things where um, where a lot of us, or I would say that most of us, when we when we're in first or second grade, we want oh yeah don't, you know this is this is what I want to do. Maybe it's different for from for you. So how. How did you become a teacher, um, and were you were you influenced in in any way by by a person or school or um, yeah anyone?
1: Well, you know when I when I think about this, I go back to when I was little, and I grew up pretty much as a single child uh, for the first twelve years of my life. I didn't have any siblings until then. And I used to play by myself a lot, and I used to play school. Go oh,
2: figure! Awesome. <laughs> I had
1: um, like a little classroom set up. I was the teacher, and and things like that. And ironically, I was not the model student at. at
0: all. <laughs> In your own school that you set up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, So, no, I was a really good teacher when I was role playing with a kid. But as I went through middle school and high school, I definitely was not that model student getting honor roll or high honors. Um, all the time, um, and I just kind of went through it. But what saved me, I think, was uh, my cross country coach. I was an avid runner in high school, and that kind of pushed me into cross country and track in in college. And I remember him; he was great. His name was Mr. Doherty, and he just he was very influential. And um, he just, you know he he just gave me that um that in, ambition or that. Drive, You know, when you see that hill, you just put your head down and you lift those knees and you look at the heels in front of you and you try to pass them. And I think without having him um, in in my life at, at those critical high school years, I don't know how things would have turned out. But so I went off to college and. I was running cross country and track and I'm like, okay, well, I really like to run. I'll just become a PE teacher. I'm like, this will be great. And then as I started going through this and and just kind of developing as a young adult, I wanted a little bit more, to that, then not, not saying that PE, it just wasn't for me. I wanted to do more than be in a gymnasium all day and things like that. So that's when I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go into education. I think this is something I'm really going to like. And so that's kind of how I did it. It's just, um, just kind of happened, kind of fell into it, I guess.
0: Well, you knew you wanted to do it from a very young age. I have a similar feeling when I was a kid, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you um, have also taught English language arts, which was also my minor. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about what you taught, maybe some of the projects in that content area?
1: Yeah, I taught seventh grade language arts, and one of the things I did later as I had more experience as a seventh grade language arts teacher is I used an interactive notebook. A lot of those interactive notebooks are used for science class, but Mm I kind of tweaked it to fit the language arts, um, class. And what I did is I had the students get a five subject notebook and each subject of the notebook was to build like a tool set for the students. So we had a reading section, we had a writing section, we had a grammar section, uh, a word work or vocabulary section, and then finally a research section. And everything that we did would go into those systems in the notebook, and that's what they would leave with. And I would have kids come back with me, and I'm so glad you gave, made me do that, Miss G, you know, because uh-huh. they would still refer to that notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that I really liked doing because every time we did something, it just stayed in the notebook.
0: That's awesome. Uh, And that's a good life skill too. I mean, I use my notebook and put tabs in it and refer back to it all the time for things. So that's a good life skill.
2: So, so along the, um, along the way, Lorian, um, can you, can you share with us what your teaching philosophy was when you, when you first started teaching and, and how, how it has transformed, um, until where you, where you are now.
1: Yes, I, when I first started teaching, you know, when you're in undergrad, they ask you, you know, to come up with your philosophy of te- education. And I wanted to keep it short and simple. So I started out with it being called teaching for understanding, because I wanted to make sure what I taught was being understood for my students, but as I progressed as an educator, I realized I can't just teach for understanding. I have to teach so they can learn to understand, so that's kind of what I progressed to, because if they can't understand that, understand what I'm teaching, they're not going to learn anything, so I kind of just took the took those three words, teaching and learning and understanding, and tried to come up with almost like an equation to make it make it fit. So every time I did a lesson, every time I was in the classroom, okay, I'm teaching, what are they supposed to learn? How can I make sure they understand it? And a lot of the teaching methods out of all of them, the one I used the most was modeling. I always modeled. If I expected them to keep that five subject interactive notebook, I kept one and this is what it should look like Hmm. and things like that.
0: Yeah. One thing I always tell my students is if Just because you taught it doesn't mean they learned it. And so I like that piece that you're talking about is adding in that understanding. Make sure that they understand it, which is, the, which is why we're doing that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I heard a little bit about this super cool project that you did with um, your students at your school called the book tasting. And I would love for you to talk about what that whole experience was. And where you came up with that idea and how it was received by your students.
1: Oh, great. Okay. So the book tasting was kind of like my very first um, huge school-wide library project as an information specialist. So it just happened last month. And it was the PTSA wanted to do a used book sale. And they used to do it out in the hallway. And I'm like, no, you should do it in here in the library to support reading that the library should be the heart of the school, I believe. Mm-hmm. And let's go, ho- let's go ahead and host it in here. And I thought to myself, okay, but now, how can I get students in here? I don't want them just to be coming in here. They, there has to be, there has to be a meaningful reason for them to come into the library. So I kept reading about these book tastings. I heard um, a couple of my counterparts in the elementary schools doing book tastings and they focused on genres And so basically a book tasting is you take the library and you create it into a restaurant. I've seen many different styles, like a 50 theme style, and there's tablecloths and, um, you know, the whole, like maybe something on the tables and stuff like that. And so I wanted to do it a little bit differently for the middle level students, because by now the readers, they know what genres they like or by the time they're in the middle school. And I also wanted to tap into maybe something that they wouldn't necessarily know that they were interested in reading. So instead of genres, I went through my fiction collection and I identified all the book series that we have in our library. And as a first year librarian, this was a very good way for me to become familiar with my collection. And we had almost around 200 different book series. And a lot of these just collect dust because they're not the ones that kids go to, like the Rick Riordan books or the Harry Potter and things like that, or Aaron Hunter's Warrior series and stuff like that, that I can't keep on the shelves. So I decided to take the first book from each one of these series and we covered them. I have student apprentices that work for me in the library, and I have parent volunteers. If it wasn't for them, I would not have been able to do this whole Mm -hmm. program. And so they took the time to cover the books. And there was no title, just a number on the book. So then when the students came in, they had to make reservations. The teachers made reservations. They were sent a little invitation to make it a little bit different. (laughs) And I welcomed them to the restaurant, and I named it The Readery having a little pun with words, and um, they came in, and we had aprons on, and I set it up to be a little bit classy. We had black tablecloths, (laughs) and we had like little plants on the table with faux candles and little placemats, and welcome to the readery. How can I help you? (laughs) Let me show you to your table, and each student had a menu, and inside the menu, there was a little bit about genre types and a rating scale and then there was spots in the foldable menu of how to just to keep a little tab on the books that they were reading they didn't have to fill out everything the little sixth graders were so cute because they thought they had to write down everything but it was just so if they could pick out the genre or write down a character name and of course the book number So they had a three or four course meal provided to them. And each course was delivered on a silver tray and they got their first book for their first course. And then the second and the third and the fourth, and each course lasted either three or six minutes. And there was a little timer that they flipped on the table. And when they did that, um, they were, like, wait a minute! I, I'm not done with the book. I, I'm like, well, you might be able to order that at the <laughs> end of the meal. And so, at first, the kids would come in because this is the first time it's been done in my school, and the kids would come in and they're like, "Well, I want some steak." I'm like, "I'm sorry, we're a vegetarian
0: restaurant." <laughs> 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 That's cute. So, at
1: the end, at the end of the um the three or four courses, we'd go around and collect the books and we'd ask them, what would you like to order from the menu? And they would say, I'd like book 14 or I'd like book 67 or I'd like book 112. And then they would get those books back and they would come to the circulation desk and they'd unwrap the books and then check their books out. And they would look at the book cover and go, oh my gosh, I would have never checked out this book. So what was great about this is they now own that series because they got the first book in that series and there were no other books from that series out at the readery so now they could come back and that's what I had yeah. kids doing they were checking out the second and third books and things like that so that was pretty cool and i i went back and looked at some data i looked at my circulation data and i was at like 175 the week before i have a population of about 700 students and the week I did the reader read, we had over 350 books checked out. Wow. So it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then with the used book sale in there, the used book sale, they doubled their income that wow. particular week. So not only did we support reading, we supported the PTSA, which back support mm. us. So the reader, it was just really cool. I got great feedback from the students and great feedback from the teachers and it was a lot of legwork. I kind of had a vision in my head. but wasn't for how it could go. And it, it, it couldn't have gone better if I had if I had thought of anything else. And there was a couple things I would tweak. But other than that, um, it, it was a packed house all week long. It was wonderful.
0: So that's a really good way to not let them judge a book by the cover when you yes. cover it.
1: <laughs> yes. And it also allows me as the librarian, the books that didn't get checked out, those are the series they're not interested in, mm-hmm. so those are the ones I can box up, and then I can fill up my shelves with more current and yeah. stuff like that when I can order books.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, did you did you get any any feedback from from parents?
1: Um, just the parents that were supporting the the PTSA because they happened to be in there and they did come by and and tell me. Oh my daughter told me about your 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 book, your book tasting. She loved it. Things like that. Um uh, nothing formal. I do know that one of my colleagues out of the goodness of her heart, she actually wrote up a news article about it. Um, with the hopes it would get published in the Stars and Stripes because she just thought it was the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. She thought it should be recognized, although I think the Stars and Stripes is quite busy right now writing other articles. So I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I was very touched that she wanted to do that. But um, overall, I think the feedback was very positive. It was definitely worth the, the front-loading of all the work.
2: Well, just to let you know, um... Maybe we can get in, in contact with her because the because the nonprofit that I that I run um, we actually have we're we're, we're actually going to be starting a what we're calling like an online academic journal, but it's but it's not not only for researchers but researchers but it's for teachers also that could that could share things like this. Oh, great. Right. Um, and so we, we would we would love to have have something like that.
1: That'd
2: be cool. That sounds interesting. yeah and it's you know and and one of the things that that we we do um, is we uh, is we'd love to showcase what what teachers are are, are doing because oftentimes re- researchers like like myself really aren't um, there's there's a lot out there that really aren't Connected with schools, and so so that's why we, um, um, Malia and, and I are 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 starting this this part of the of the of the nonprofit, just so that we could connect researchers with with people like you, uh, because yeah, this I mean I mean this this flies in the in the in the face of of a lot of people who who really claim that kids really don't like to read.
1: Oh, especially in the middle school, they start that.
2: Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. I mean, because what you what you're able to provide kids is is reading in a in a fun way. Because what you're what you're doing with these like three minute bits of time is just it's just kind of like this little appetizer of of, mm-hmm. of what these books have. Um, I, I think that's wonderful.
1: Yeah, it is. It is something I will definitely do again. I did have some students coming to me before we closed. Are you going to do that again before the oh, end nice. of the year? You know, I wish I could figure out how to do something online, on virtually, to be able to do that. But yeah, we have so many ebooks
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do something with um, QR codes for it and um, attach attach maybe students reading the passages or like videos to them attached to a QR code and then have the QR code list posted somewhere. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, cause, there, Cause on, I was looking at, um, on, on YouTube, there's, there's a lot of entertainers reading, reading books, um, but they're entire books, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's, and, and they're usually kind of younger younger books um, but I'm, I'm wondering if there would be something like that where you could tease them with something that's out there
1: yeah and um, one of the things one of the things I'm doing now that we're online is um, I'm opening up we have we have a class called advisory every other day and it's where the students can meet their teachers and have a mentor and yeah. that and I open up my Google meets and and kids jump in and I do a I say hey this is the book off my shelf and I do a read aloud right there
0: awesome. and
1: the kids just sit and chill they've been on those screens all day and they'll yeah. sit and chill and just enjoy they I don't care how old they are they still love being read to
0: yeah that's really cool. Yeah, I so, mean, I still like books on tape, so... Or not tape. Man, that's dated. <laughs> Audio books.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, in fact, that was the uh, one of my lifetime goals. Um, I have a book that someone... Uh, they uh, They wanted us to write down our lifetime goals and stuff, and this was maybe 25 years ago now, and one of my goals was to read... Moby Dick and the only way in which I was I was able to do it was 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 through this through this audio book and it took so long because it's such a boring book.
0: <laughs> don't say that it's a classic.
2: <laughs> uh, you know I don't want like 15 pages of like one dolphin and what a dolphin looks like <laughs> so um Lorian can you can you tell us about any, any other lessons, any favorite lessons or, or units that you've developed for your students? I th-
1: in my language arts classes, and this is the one thing I'm going to miss about being out of the classroom, is doing this particular book. Um, I used to read, well, not, not me, but the students, we would read together uh, a book called The Clay Marble by Ming Fong Ho. And it is a fictional book about a family who goes through trials and tribulations during the Cambodian War. So what I liked about this this particular uh, title is it brought in, you know, of course it brought in history into the language arts, into the language arts class. But we would also look at Maslow's hierarchy with this book about what is the most important need to survive, and so we would analyze that. And we would go ahead and do some Socratic seminar after they researched current event um, topics and articles about people who were surviving. And so they would really analyze um, what it really takes to survive. What are the needs? Which is obviously very apparent in in what we're going through today. Um, you know at first when you introduce the topic the students are like I can't live without my phone. that's what I need to survive mm-hmm. And then you know by the end of the the whole unit they realize that there are people that are going through a lot of different um, difficult times and one thing I like about using the Socratic seminar there's two reasons is one, it gives an opportunity for students to be vocal in a non-threatening environment. There's no judgment. And they can back up what they're saying um, and support it with documentation, whether it's from a from the book title or whether it's from a another source that they found, another primary source, and they can back up with what they're saying and when they do that they're talking about it and other students now have a different perspective they can see how you can view something through somebody else's lenses and with you know as children grow up we know that they're very focused and they're very self-absorbed so their way is the highway but when you're in this this kind of socratic seminar setting it allows them to really have a voice and be able to respect other people's viewpoints which in a regular stand and deliver classroom they may not they may not get and the the second thing I like about the seminar is now that they've talked about it and they may have changed their viewpoint now it's time to write about it now we get into the paper aspect of it because so now they can communicate their thoughts in the written expression and I have found that once students read about it and then they talk about it then they're able to write yeah. about it. And I, I think that is much more valuable to me, especially in our world of communication, is that key piece of talking about it before they write about it, to me, makes a lot of sense, whether it's, you know, with in small groups or that Socratic group. Um, so I would incorporate it. The book would be the foundation of this particular, I always loved teaching it. And I would introduce the students to a man named Arn Chorn Pond. He was a Cambodian boy who actually survived and he was adopted by a pastor who was a volunteer at the red cross over, over there and, um, grew up in Massachusetts and he still and that particular man still goes back over there and, and educates the the teens on music because that's one of the main things that died out during that time period was music, because music was only passed on from person to person. They didn't have sheet music or anything like that. So I really was very passionate about that, and I could incorporate so many different language art skill sets through that particular, I guess, unit, as, as you would call it.
0: Wow. That's really impactful and then a really good way to bring in culture and just different experiences into your classroom and your students just like, I guess, reference because they only know their own world. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, COVID-19 is the hot topic right now. You mentioned it a couple of times in our earlier questions, just how I'd like your instructions changed and how you might want to put some of these things online Um Can you tell us a little bit about how this has affected you and what you do and maybe some of the teachers um, with moving quite quickly online and if you felt prepared for this and how it's going?
1: Well, for our particular um, district in DoDEA, uh, we learned a lot from the other schools that closed prior to us, the other DoDEA school systems or, or districts that closed prior to us. And so, because of that, we were able to launch our stuff pretty quickly. Um, and we just had a one one place to go to for every student to be able to access whatever classes they had And it it happened pretty quickly. We closed on a Friday. And then we had Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to get everything together. And the students, you know, obviously were home. And by Wednesday... Wednesday at lunch, we were told to work from home. So it was pack everything. So, yeah. you know, all those different pieces of technology that we use were all put in the cars, um, you know, that I'd say and the kitchen sink, but it wasn't. It was all my plants in the library. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so we, we all brought those home. And then, you know, teachers really worked together to try to support each other. Um, yeah. you know, like in any school system, you have teachers that use technology diligently all the time in the classroom. And then you have teachers that, you know, just kind of stay away from it and, and don't prefer to use it. And now everybody's got to use it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's I think that's where we are right now.
0: What kind of feedback are you getting from other teachers on it? Are they struggling or are they just trying to? Maintain. I think the biggest feedback is they don't
1: have the contact with their students mm. that they'd like to have. Um, having those meaningful moments between teacher and student, and those supportive moments that students need, yeah. um, the the students, it's just, just not the same mm-hmm. as it is when you are um, you know, right in front of them in the classroom. Yep. So I think, I think that's it. I think, um, there's some more parental involvement, um, with the students uh, in the, in the classrooms digitally. There's, there are some hiccups, you know, we have some military families that may have two or three different students and have one computer.
0: Oh yeah.
1: So they're, they're going to, you know, they're, they're trying to balance that um, as well. And our school supporting that as best as we can by offering each family an extra Chromebook.
2: Wow. Um, Lorian, you've, you've, you've provided our, our listeners a lot of information and, and and also me, this is, this has been really good. One of the things that we, that we always like to end up with um, is to find out what each individual Person's call to call to action is, um, and so what is your call to call to action?
1: Well, my my students would laugh because they always they always hear me say when I was a language arts teacher, "When in doubt, cite it out." Because, you know, they uh, <laughs> but now that I've moved from the language arts classroom into the library, I you know I, ch- I changed that up a little bit. When in doubt, read it out. Um, mm-hmm. I think families need to read more together. You yeah. know, family movie time together. They have dinner times together. I think families really need to read together, whether you're all reading and you're reading different books or you're reading similar books, or you're reading each other's books I think people need maybe maybe this whole COVID-19 will allow families to sit back and go, you know what, let's get those books back off the shelf. You know, if you have to use your Kindle, use your Kindle. There's so many different places to get reading material. And so that's what I would have to say. When in doubt, read it out.
0: Yeah, I like that. that. That is good. Great. Well, Lorian, thank you so much for sharing all of your great ideas with us, and I'm sure our listeners are going to love to take some of those back into their classrooms when they get back to their classrooms. <laughs> but um, just wanted to thank you for your time, and um, thanks for all your hard work with making life better for kids and making it more exciting. Well,
1: thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Lorian.
0: Awesome. Have a great night. Hey, thanks. You too. Bye. Bye.